0: Hi guys, how are you doing? I'm doing good, I'm chilling in my insanely old desk I stole this, borrowed, borrowed this from uh, the school in Troy Grove It's wicked old school, check this thing out This thing was probably made like, I don't know when it's, Maybe it says Now, it was made in the USA though Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Back in the day when stuff was actually made in the USA. Did anyone actually go to school and sit in a desk like this? Did you really? So, all right, we got to get going because you guys all are in detention next week because I tell you to come in at a certain time and you guys do not do it. You are 20 minutes late. That's like, that's a call for like a Saturday school, okay? In fact, report for Saturday school this Saturday. At 1 o'clock, right here. We're going to serve Saturday school together, right here. Then you get another Saturday school. I'll find a time. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. Okay? Um, so I just realized when I was listening to the podcast from last week, I was going to describe to you my other sleep habit, because we talked last week about how I only slept for like three hours. And it's not really has anything to do with this, but I promised last week that I would talk this week, so real shortly. Um, I was talking about the the dreams you have where you are like with a bunch of friends and you don't want to fall asleep. Basically, it's a dream where you're dreaming that you're going to fall asleep and you don't want to. Have you ever had that dream? What it means is by the time you wake up in the morning, you are exhausted because in your dream, your subconscious is like, please just let me go to sleep. But in your dream, you're like, no, I want to stay awake. People are hanging out and they're like, oh, what's up? And you like with your friends, and you realize that the entire night, your brain is trying to shut down, but your subconscious is fighting it. And you wake up and you're like, I'm exhausted. It's like I struggled to sleep the entire night. So, I'm just talking about. So, welcome to uh, summer school tonight. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna sit there in that because it'd be strange and awkward for me to speak from that. It'd be kind of fun though. No. No, no, no. Hope you guys had a good time in your small groups. Hope you had a good time reading Second Peter chapter two this week. Um, once again, a uh, chapter with a lot of stuff in it. Yes, lots of different stuff in it. Next week, you guys will get better at getting done on time. Even better. There was one group who finished on time. That was Rustang and uh, and Nicole's group. They finished, I believe, even yeah. It was it was like dead on. That was beautiful. Congratulations, you guys get the gold star. In fact. One of you two, come right up real quick. I'm going to give you the star that Gina gave me. And it's not because, Gina, not like I'm dissing on your, 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 your thing, but you receive a sticker. Congratulations. All right. <clears throat> like I said last week, uh, obviously the message isn't the most important part of the night. It's cool, but you reading it throughout the week, learning it, actually looking into it yourself, and then talking about it, that's the most important part. Now we're going to talk about chapter 2, and if you paid attention, what is the central theme of chapter 2? You guys I said it in groups. False teachers, false prophets, exactly. Um, Peter is, is writing this chapter, warning the Christians who he's writing to about all these false teachers and false prophets. Um, these are not like, it's serious. That's why he's warning you. He's like, these people aren't from God, they're from Satan. They're evil. They're going to try to take away what you have. That's so precious. Um, this is nothing new, though. Jesus, in fact, warns the disciples in the four uh, epistles, whatever you want to call them, of the Bible, 14 times he tells, his, he tells his disciples about false teachers. If it's recorded 14 times in the Gospels, how many times do you think Jesus actually said it? Because not everything that Jesus said was recorded in these Gospels. If it's recorded 14 times, that means he said it a lot to the disciples. It wouldn't have made it in there so much. He was constantly reminding them, there's going to be people who are coming who are not from me, who will claim they are, and they're going to try to take this away from you. In fact, as you go on in the Bible, apostles like Paul, of course, our buddy Peter who we're studying, John, Jude, and the resurrected Christ in the book of Revelation all warn about these false prophets and teachers who are going to come and try to take away what you have. All these men realized through God's Spirit that there always were and there always will be false prophets. But actually, each and every day we move closer to Christ's return, there will be more. They talk about an increase, an influx of false prophets and teachers as the end comes near. Because Satan's going to try everything he can to try to stop this. Why did all these men make such a big deal about it? Why did they go out of the way to actually write whole chapters? Like this whole chapter is all about these, these false teachers. Why? Because it was serious. I mean, you're talking about Peter, okay? This man has sacrificed almost everything in his life to follow Jesus Christ and to make sure that his church is moving forward. Before long, he'll be killed. He'll be put to death for what he believes. Can you imagine the heartache that must come to him thinking that there are people who are going to take this back away? everything that I worked at to show you and this beautiful promise that people were going to come and snatch it back from you. Man, that was something that broke his heart, and he knew that it was serious. There was danger involved. Second Peter 2, verse 2 says, many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality, and because of them, Christ and his true way will be slandered. Peter didn't say one or two people. People didn't, I mean, Peter didn't say like a few people are going to, you know, listen to these false prophets, and they're going to get Confused and they're going to forget about it. No. He says, many, a lot, there will be a lot of people who are going to hear these false prophets and they're going to fall away. It's frightening. Very frightening. So, the word spoken by Peter here and all the others that I mentioned were spoken as this warning to us um, because it's obviously applicable. We read in the first chapter that this letter was not just written to the you know, like a certain church. It was written to all people who claim Jesus Christ as their Lord. So it's applicable to us as well. Are we going to be the ones who are going to listen to false prophets and fail? But are we really? Think about it. Don't just say no in your mind, because a lot of people, that's what you'll do is say no. But are you going to be one of the ones who's going to fail? And how do you know that you're not? How do you know that you're not going to be the ones who's going to listen to this false prophet and is going to fall away from what God has for you? I don't believe that the majority of people who say that they are Christians have actually read these words and taken warning. In fact, I would say that the majority, almost everyone who reads these words, just kind of step over top of them and roll past them and don't take any warning whatsoever. I would say that would be the majority of Christians who actually look at this. Especially these days. Indulge me for a second. Think think yourself. How many warning signs do you see in in a single day? A lot. A lot. There are a lot of warning signs anymore these days. And in fact, we just get kind of so oblivious to them. They have to make them brighter. They have to make them bigger. They have to make them flash at us. Signs like say stuff like, Don't put your finger in this. Watch your head. This will electrocute you. Death may result. Big, huge signs that say stuff like this. And you know what's amazing? is People just walk right past them and don't even look at them. Boring. They just don't even see them. Perhaps the most... The most, like, we look at it and we're like, duh. Like, we don't even think anything of it. We look past these labels because we think, that's so stupid. Who would possibly do that? What's the most common warning label in the world, you think? I don't have proof, but man, you see it everywhere. Close. Close. Do not eat. Do not eat is put on everything. Everything. I would not be amazed if this Bible has somewhere inside of it do not eat. It's on everything. Anything that's manufactured that isn't supposed to be digested and given to us for nutrition has on it. Do not eat this. Everything. Look around. I bet you, you should just start to do this. I was thinking that could be kind of funny. Go through your day and just look at how much stuff says don't eat this. This is not meant to be. Everything you buy that has any sort of direction says this is not meant to be taken orally. That means do not eat this. Do not eat this. It's everywhere. Do not eat. And you say, well, that's just stupid. Of course I'm not going to eat that. So what happens is we start to kind of get just thick-headed to these warnings. We just look past them and we're like, well, come on. That's just stupid. Of course. Of course. This isn't one of those stupid, silly ones. This isn't just a label that should be slapped on something like do not eat and we look past it. But this is a serious warning. This is one that you actually need to stop and read and think about, react to. Many people just read the words and they move right on. They think that they got the warning, but that really isn't enough. Think about this. If there's a tornado warning, and it comes on the TV and it says, there is a tornado warning for your area. There's been a tornado spotted. You guys need to take cover. And a lot of people do. They're like, oh, I'll take warning. They switch the channel to something else and watch TV. They just sit there and chill. Did they take warning? Because they heard those words, what do you think? Did they take warning? No. no, they didn't take the warning. They just listened to it and then just shucked it out the door and they turned on friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, taking warning would be saying, there's a tornado spotted. Where's our flashlights at? Do we have water in case the power goes out? Where do we go right now if we really have to go? If, if the alarm goes off, do we know where we're supposed to go in the basement? Is everyone accounted for? You know, where is, is the people upstairs, do you guys all know that there's a tornado warning? Are you ready if something happens? That's taking the warning. See, there's action and there's thought that comes in with it too. Application, you think, well, I actually need to think about what's going to happen with this. That's taking warning. Sadly, and maybe even worse, is that others actually read this, consider it, and then think, eh, it's not applicable to me. That's for those other people. That's for the weak The weak people. Those Christians who aren't paying attention. That's who that's for. Talk about, you know, you could be deceived and all that. That's not for me. That's for someone else. Perhaps that's even worse. You guys, all of you, are targets for false prophets. Don't think that you're too good. Don't think that you're too strong. You are their targets. So, instead of once again, just, man, if Peter was here, angering him, by not listening to his warning. Let's actually take a minute, look at this warning of the false teachers, and think about what can we actually do with this? What's the actual scenario that goes with this? I mean, um, we can see tons of these, of these warnings, and we can actually see stuff laid out in this, in this small chapter talking about things that he lays forth. us. So let's actually look at it, okay? We're going to look at those, and in union right now, just to kind of to set the tone for this, John, which comes right after that first John, 4 1 says this, and this is a good outline that we're going to work with Peter's words in. First John 4 1 says, My friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. I like that a lot. It's neat. So we're going to look at that along with Peter's words. What is John saying? And what is Peter saying in this? What he's saying is don't take everything as fact. Don't just simply listen to something, see something, and say, oh, that must be true. That's foolishness. You have to be shrewd, and you have to inspect everything that teachers would give to you. Everything that's supposedly truth, you need to check. There's talk in the, in the Bible in Acts uh, 17.11, they're talking about the Bereans, and they call them of more noble character. There's very few places in the Bible that say stuff like that. But these people were of more noble character. Why? Because when a teacher would tell them something, they would take and they would go back to the scriptures and say, is that true? They would actually check it and say, you know what, that is right. And then they'd come back and they'd ask him for more. he gives them something, they'd go back and they'd look at the scripture again and say, is that true? Yes, it is. And they go back and forth. Peter's words in verse 3 are so true. It says, in greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. These false prophets that come, these teachers, oftentimes these are people who are just filled, filled with greed. They're the people who you find are enthralled with not much more than money. Even as they talk about ministry and even as they talk about what God is doing, you can see a dollar sign behind their eyes, just ingrained inside of them. And a lot of times these are the people who are irresponsible and unworthy of dealing with God's money. And you'll see that in them. That's a sign of a false prophet. Also, the fact that, I love how he goes on and he says, there's stories they have made up. They lack real God stories. Because you see, a teacher who actually is doing what God is, is telling them to do will have stories. They'll have God stories. Awesome God stories to tell you. Cool things that have happened in the past. Cool things they know are going to happen. All these different things. But there's people who are false teachers and you know what they do? They make up things off the top of their head. To try to influence you and try to get you to feel something that isn't really there. I've heard this. I've talked to a man one time who was telling me about a preacher who he knew who said that he felt it was okay to make up any story on stage as a preacher as long as it glorified God. I wanted to puke in his face. (laughs) Not that guy, the other guy he was talking about. Be like, that's disgusting. You're telling me that it's fine to lie to people and to make up stories like, oh, and there's this child and he was sad and I comforted him and I held him close to my heart to show him Jesus' is love. None of that really happened. But did you get the point? No, but they can just, he, he says, oh, it's fine as long as it's glorifying God. Man, that is a false prophet. You shouldn't have to make something up. God will give you these amazing stories if you're a true prophet, if you're a true teacher. Those people, are, if you ever hear people like this, you, you know. I've heard a story one time about a church who was interviewing a pastor. This guy come and he preached one message at their, at their church, okay? He finished preaching the message. Everyone said, oh, it was really, really good, right? Except for the fact that the next week in council, one of the guys come back and said, that's not his message. i watched a guy preach that message on tape. He's an evangelist, and he preached that exact same message almost word for word. In fact, the story he told about his son walking in the rain, that was the evangelist story. That was all a lie. Yeah. False prophets, false teachers. Just make stuff up in order to try to get you to understand stuff. That is so wrong. Second thing that what he's saying inside of this, what you can, what you can catch from this verse, is that don't assume that everything, that every teacher that comes down the pike, every, every prophet is actually from God. Just because someone speaks the right language, has the right look, Or maybe they even act really, really spiritual. Man, they're just in tune with the Spirit. It doesn't mean that they're from God. It just does not. What we do is we're we're to wait, and we're to test, and we're to examine these leaders and look at them. There's nothing wrong with testing leaders. People think that this is horrible, this is arrogant and prideful, but it's not. Disrespecting real leaders, that's, that's wrong. But testing leaders and saying, holding them, this is who they are, and taking and laying the Bible over top their lives and seeing if something doesn't fit. That's what we're supposed to be doing in our lives. Day in and day out. We're supposed to look at a teacher and say, does what they're saying, does what their life look like, does that match up? And test them and inspect that and say yes or no. We're supposed to do this on a a regular basis. Right after 1 John 4, 1, which we read a second ago, Verse 2 says this, Here's how you test for the genuine spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly his faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came as an actual flesh and blood person, comes from God and belongs to God. Everyone who refuses to confess faith in Jesus has nothing in common with God. This is a really good verse. It's really, really applicable. Someone who's truly of God will uphold the complete story of Jesus Christ. Not a segment, not a part, not partially and take something away from them. The complete story of Jesus Christ from front to back. Absolutely. If they do not, you don't even have to question it. If someone says that they, don't, they disagree with parts of who Jesus is, you don't even have to listen to any word past that. If they say, I do not agree with this certain part of Jesus Christ, you can pretty much just stop listening. Because they're not in tune with what God's story is. The, the layout of what Jesus Christ is in the Bible is un, unchangeable. You can't say you believe parts and you don't believe others. No, that's a false prophet. That's a false teacher. But not only that, is the fact that if they question the infallibility of God's word, this does the exact same thing. Not just the fact of saying whether or not they completely believe in Jesus Christ and his flesh and blood, but that applies also to the entire word of God because that is spoken in the word of God. So you can't say that you even believe that part, but you don't believe another part of God's word. Because you can't believe part. You can't hee-haw back and forth on that. It's either it is infallible, and it is true, that all words were spoken through men by God, or it's fallible. And once you make one portion of this Bible fallible, all of it is. It's like a chain. You can't just take out one link. The whole thing will fall apart. You can't do that. If a prophet says that he does not believe the portions of the Bible, false prophet. Don't have to question it. Easy. Go ahead and section that off. However, this verse is great. Man, it is, it is a powerful verse talking about, you know, how to test them. But the thing is, is, you can't forget that it's not enough just to say these things because that's the application of this. It says that if people confess openly with faith in Jesus Christ that they have the entire story. This isn't twisting scripture, but we know, we know by looking into the Bible that words never mean anything without action. And we can put that right with this. I don't have to contort the scripture to make it fit because I know by God's heart of everything else that I've read in the Bible that words mean nothing to God without action that backs it up. So it's not just enough to say that I believe in the full story of Jesus Christ, that I believe that he was a, you know, a man born and he was flesh and blood and he was holy God and he died on the cross and he paid for all of our sins. But then do I actually follow that in my daily life? What's the application of that? And do you see that in my life? So it's not just the words, but it's all of it. taken back and looking up if their faith actually backs up what they say that they believe. Absolutely. I have three main things, along with all these things that I've been talking about here out of Peter, um, and a few more that are inside of this. Three main things, though, I'd like you to to write down, because this is a warning. This is great for you to have. Think about this. There's three main points I want you to write down These are false prophets. These are false teachers. How can I look at them and say, I'm actually going to take warning, and I'm going to look at them and say, you know what, that's a false teacher, and you can identify them. Think about these, and I'll repeat them later on if you don't get caught up. First and foremost, who are they? Who are they? In their personal lives, when they get away from all the glitz glory, when they get away from the crowds, do they actually follow Jesus Christ's commands? Do they actually follow and model who Jesus Christ is in their own life? Not just when they're around people, but do they try to be like Jesus when they're by themselves? Would you see failure in a teacher if you actually got to hang out with them more than just when you see them on stage or in a group setting? If you actually got to hang out with them, would you see a bunch of failure in their lives and say, you know what, it doesn't fit? In verse 14 of the second chapter that we're reading right now, Peter's talking about these these false prophets, and he says this, they commit adultery with their eyes and their lust is never satisfied. They make a game of luring unstable people into sin. They train themselves to be greedy. They are doomed and cursed. Now, this isn't just struggling with sin, because don't think this, just because someone's a leader doesn't mean they're free from all the same struggles that we have. Doesn't mean that they're perfect. They're still struggling with sin. I mean, obviously, as a leader, I, like, I can tell you, I lead steadfast. Yeah, of course I still struggle with sin. Pastors, if they're a real pastor, they're going to tell you, of course, we still struggle with sin. But this isn't applying to struggling with sin. This is applying to basking in sin, to just bathing in it and thinking that it's okay. You can tell because often, just like Peter says, there's, there's a beautiful nugget inside this if you actually read it. It's not just the fact that they participate in sin but you see the fact that they bring other people into their sin. That's big. Do you think about this? Because if you struggle with sin, do you want someone else to take part in it? No. If you're struggling with it, sorry, if you're struggling with it, no. If I say, I hate this sin, but I fall back into it, do I want to bring someone else and say, go ahead and try this sin? Of course not. But you'll see these false teachers because they act like this is their struggle, but then they lure other people into the same sin. See, they're not actually struggling with it at all. And you know what? A lot of times you'll find these people, and you'll see the, th- this problem in their life, and when it's brought up and it's identified, they don't really care to change. They're fine with just how they are right now. And those are surefire signs that this person is not from God. This is a false teacher. Absolutely false teacher. The second thing I want you to write down. What they preach, what they speak, what they tell. Do they preach the fullness of Christ as we just stated? Do they preach the full, the full story from beginning to end? Do they preach every part of Jesus Christ, not one little section? Do they talk about Christ's love, about his compassion? Do they talk about the true love Um for people who are, who are lost. False teachers, think about this, false teachers will not preach Christ's heart because they don't have it. They will not teach what Jesus Christ is feeling, what he felt here on earth. They won't preach stuff that actually touched him because they aren't connected with Jesus Christ's heart. Real teachers will because when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we're connected with his heart. We feel what he feels, and that's what we move in. They'll not communicate this broken heart for the lost. They'll not communicate a necessity to work hard to save them. A lot of times, they'll forget about the fact that we have to purify our lives, the fact that we have to stop sinning, that we can't just count on Jesus Christ to give us cheap grace just to kind of wash us up and go back into our world. Sin, fall down, and get muddy all again, and come back and ask Jesus to wash us up again but the fact that we're supposed to learn and not be dumb to go wallow in mud puddles again. You won't find that from these false teachers. You won't find this from these false prophets. A very special point. Don't forget this one. Always be watching for teachers who say that they have a new revelation. Something brand new. God just gave me this. You know, it's brand new. I've never even heard of this before be very, very careful. Because the Bible talks about the fact that if you can't take something that a teacher says and find application to that in the Bible, it's not true. It's not true. If you can take something that, that, a, teacher's, that a teacher's throwing at you and say, this makes no sense in accordance with what the Bible's saying. I never saw this happen in the Bible. Nothing even close to it. In fact, this kind of looks like it's, like it's weird. It's not lining up with this man, think about that stuff. Be wary of it and think, I'm going to check that. Especially don't subscribe to it right away, but actually check and think, "Mm, that doesn't sound right. When you hear those words, revelation, brand new idea, like it's never been done before. Those are key words that you should be listening to and thinking, I need to check this and back this up. Perhaps the best and the most overlooked way of learning if a teacher is false, if a prophet is false, is to look at who follows them. Most people don't think about this. But this, I think, is probably the most most applicable one. Excuse me. If you want to see who a leader is, and if they're really sent by God, not just a false prophet or a false teacher, look at their most loyal followers. Look at the people who subscribe to what they say and say, I wholeheartedly believe in what they say, and they really follow along closely. Obviously, not just someone who just came on the scene, but someone who's been part of who they are, of their ministry, and follows right underneath of them. Look at their own lives, and you'll soon see if these people are true or not. Matthew seven fifteen through 16, these are Jesus Christ's words. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Now, what is a teacher's fruit? Students. What is a prophet's fruit? People who listen to their prophecy. The people who follow them. The people who actually pick up what they say and run with it. That is a teacher's fruit. If you see a consistency of followers who do not fully submit to God, will not change their lives of sin, you can be sure that this teacher is not of God these loyal followers. If you look at them and time and time again, it's better the more you can get, but you see this follower after follower after follower of this person, you see, man, they are they are not even trying. They're arrogant and they're prideful in what God asked them to do. You can be sure of the fact that it goes upstream to their teachers, to their leaders. Think about it, it's true. I have this amazing list for you. on Stamps, he's a really awesome man. He has great insight, and I thought about this and I couldn't put it any better way, so I thought, why don't I just read you his words talking about, about this statement in the Bible. I could put something together, but this is amazing. He says, The fruit of false teacher, teachers will be an unwholesome characteristic evident in the lives of their followers, Followers, excuse me, such as those listed below. Listen to these and think about them. One, they'll be professing Christians whose loyalty is more to personalities than to the word of God. They worship the creature... More than the Creator. Two, they will be more concerned with their own desires than with God's glory and honor. Their doctrine will be self-centered rather than God-centered. Three, they will accept human teachings and traditions even when those teachings contradict the Word of God. Four, They will seek and respond to religious experiences and supernatural manifestations as their final authority in validating truth rather than grounding themselves in the whole counsel of God's word. Five, they will not put up with sound doctrine but seek teachers who offer salvation with the broad road of righteousness. It's a powerful list of things about these followers, isn't it? When I read this list, I realized the fact that I have known false teachers and I never identified them before. I realized when I started thinking about, man, think about people's followers. And I don't just mean teachers. See, this is the thing. You start listening to this thing about false teachers and false prophets. These aren't just people who've been glorified and exalted to be in positions where they're speaking with a microphone or they're they're talking to a large crowd. This can be just people who are influencers who have a group of followers underneath them who have people who look up and respect them. You look at their followers and you realize there is a consistency of failure, of not wanting to submit to God's authority in their life, of seeking these super spiritual answers, but not actually grounding themselves in the word of God. I realized the fact after I started reading these and looking, I realized I've known false teachers and I have never identified them as that. I thank God that I never got caught into them but i know people who could have easily been in my life and who could have taken me down a wrong road because i realize these are false teachers i've seen the fruit of their teaching and their apostleship i've seen the people who've washed out of god's kingdom because of following them it's frightening why has peter written this down why am i preaching you why am i preaching this to you tonight Because you're the target of those false teachers. Just like I said that I realized there were people in my own life, there's people in your life right now who are false teachers and who are false prophets. Don't think there isn't. Each and every one of you probably has at least one or two people in your life who are false teachers and false prophets. And you're their target. They might not even know it. That's what's crazy. They might not even know that they're a false teacher because they're so confused. They're so lost. But you're their target you have to take warning and you have to protect yourself from these people. I love this verse. Write it down and think about it. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 Keep it written down and remember it. Put it in your brain. It says, Test everything. Hold on to the good. Short and sweet, and I love it. Test everything and hold on to the good. It says hold on to the good. You know what it means about the bad? Let go of it and let it float away down the stream. Don't hold on to it anymore grasp the good, release the bad and move on don't be afraid to really check these people in your life perhaps even more beneficial think about this because it sounds like a downer message doesn't it? but it's a warning perhaps even more beneficial than identifying these false prophets in your life is when you start to actually identify false prophets you're going to also identify real prophets you're going to also identify real teachers that's where the beauty of this comes into place because otherwise, you don't know. But when you actually say, I'm going to check everything against Scripture and against what God says, and when the teacher says something, I'm going to check that, and I'm going to look at their own life and say, does it match up? I'm going to say, do they really feel what God feels? The most beautiful thing is you start to identify real prophets and real teachers. And when you, when you identify those, you realize that there's people who you can trust, who you can actually trust to tell you what God is saying, and you know that they're not being, they're not being false, they're not being liars. That they're actually people who you can come to <clears throat> and you can, you can share what you're going through because they're not the people who are going to lead you astray. Instead, they're going to try to give you what God's heart is. That's the really awesome thing, is when you start to identify the false, you'll also identify the true. Like I said, I want you to, to test everything and hold on to the good. I want you to I encourage you. Next week is our last week of this series, and I want you guys to finish strong really read this really read this verse really do the questions with it actually think about it and put it into your mind because the whole point of this the whole point of this is that there doesn't need to be someone up here throwing scripture at you is that the bible is an amazing tool an amazing god-breathed tool that can take and speak into your life and you can understand what god has for you don't tell me i don't understand it because you can if you really try and you ask the Holy Spirit, like I said last week, stop and ask God. Say, God, I need help because I'm not smart enough. I've done this a billion times. I do it every time I sit down and read because I realize I'm not smart to understand this stuff. But I say, Holy Spirit, I want you to help me understand this because I know that there's there's truth in this. I'm not just going to read it as words because I know that there's something special inside of it and take and read it and apply it to your own life. That's the beauty of this. I hope after this series is done that you realize, man, there's awesome things in the Bible. Maybe I really need to bury my nose in this book and really start reading it on a regular basis. So take warning, test everything, hold on to the good. I want to pray for you before I finish. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord God, that you are an involved God, that you are not a God who set up... Um, just a planetarium of people, Lord God, and took your hands off it and said, go. But Lord, that when you made us, that you also comfort us, Lord God, and you follow beside us, that you take men like Peter, who had a heart after your own, and you put into their heart your very own teaching, such as these warnings of false prophets, that there's going to be ones in our lives, perhaps more and more every single day, as you return, Lord God, as you come closer to coming back um, to get us. I just pray to you, God, that we would actually let us take warning, and we would really test, and we would say, does this match up? Are these people true? Are they false? I pray to you, God, that you would just help us, and you would protect us. Keep everyone safe as they go home tonight, Lord God, and just bless us in this next week as we really read your word, as we actually look over your word and try to apply it to our lives. I pray to you, Lord God, that you will just cast blessings down on each and every person who does this. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.